All right, back in here on the fan. Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Real Xavier P says, uh, no Josh Allen, Cunningham, Steve, and Vince Young. Cap, at least for short periods. No, I, I, I said what I said. Now, now, I was thinking about Josh Allen in between the break. Josh Allen can make a legitimate argument. I wouldn't give it to him right now, but I think he can make a legitimate argument. I think people are underselling, though, just how good Justin Fields was at running with the ball. And the more impressive thing about that is that when you watched him at Ohio State, you knew he had that ability, but not like this. He can also throw the ball at a really high rate as well. We haven't seen that in the NFL level, but maybe we'll get there. All right, let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You guys know him. You love him. You follow him over at Sumer Sports. There he does some data science and is obviously just really into the analytical side of football. We've had him on before. Tay Seth joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks again for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you again. Last time was so much fun, so glad we get to do this again. No, I appreciate you giving us a few minutes. You know, actually, before we get to the Browns and some of the other conversations around the NFL, we were just talking about the comments. I don't know if you caught them or not, uh, but Justin Fields says he believes he's one of the top five running quarterbacks of all time, and it was actually an interesting list that he put out there. He had the three I think we all would have, which is Lamar, Michael Vick, Cam Newton, then he threw Steve Young in there, and then he had himself. Uh, I Listen, I think it's it's odd to put yourself in the list this early, but if anybody's earned it, Justin Fields has. He's incredible on the ground. For sure, and I, I, I mean, I really like the confidence that he has there, and I, I did hear your comments at the end there. I mean, you're right. Like, when we saw Justin Fields at Ohio State, since he was so accurate and Ohio State's receivers were so good, we didn't really see this rushing ability that he had until he got to the NFL here. And him being able to break off, uh, you know, 12 runs over, 12 scrambles over 20-plus yards last year when second place was Josh Allen with six, I think was the most impressive part of Justin Fields' explosiveness. Yeah, there's, there's the gap that you mentioned there, that it's just he is doing things that, you know, I did yards per game. I looked up on Pro Football Reference earlier today. All time, it's Lamar number one, Justin Fields number two, Michael Vick is number three, a whopping 15 yards in uh, in back of Justin Fields. Like, there's a gap there, Tej. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's also kind of the environment that we've seen as well where mm-hmm. the league has started to lend itself more to scrambling. But, I mean, what Fields has done from a rushing perspective has been really, really impressive so far. Yeah, I think more, you know, a lot of Browns fans would be surprised to see Deshaun Watson actually top 15 on the list for yards per game. Is that more environmental as well? Or do you really see, when you see Deshaun Watson, explain to people what you see as far as uh, beyond just throwing ability, but what he can do with his legs. For sure. I, I think that Bill O'Brien in Houston wasn't a good GM, but he was a good coach. And a lot of what that stemmed from was his offensive play calling. And we saw that he was able to use Deshaun Watson in, in different ways. And, you know, even going back to his days at Clemson, Deshaun Watson is a really good rusher. You think about that national championship game against Alabama, mm-hmm. where he gained most of the yards in that game by himself, whether it's through passing or rushing. And going forward in, in Houston, we saw some high-end rushing ability. And now you, you get to Cleveland where, you know, we, we have these, these windier games that he's going to play in compared to what he was used to playing in the Dome, playing in nicer weather. So I really think that he can lean on his legs a lot more this year because we know he has that ability. When you think about Deshaun for this upcoming season, are you, you high on him, or do you think that maybe what you saw in the six games last year will bleed a little bit too much through? I'm much more optimistic about Deshaun Watson's projection this year than, than most people. 
I think the six games last year, it's very hard to switch quarterbacks midseason. And we, they had a whole offense plan with Jacoby Brissett and then had to make the switch when Deshaun Watson was finally able to play. And then, like I mentioned earlier, he had to play in some really tough weather games last year. Yeah. And I think it was hard for that to really get going from that perspective. So I think there's a higher chance of Deshaun Watson returning to a 2020 season form than we think because Deshaun Watson had an argument for MVP that year. He, he, he carried the, the Texans, um, and, and they, were, they were a better team than what their record ended up being. And so I think that if he, maybe he's not going to get back to that level, but it'll definitely be somewhere in the middle of what we saw last year in, in 2020. We'll get to a bigger running back conversation in a second, but I got to ask you, uh, who do you think helps who the most? Do you think Deshaun Watson helps Nick Chubb, or do you think Nick Chubb helps Deshaun Watson the most? That's a great question, and I, I believe Nick Chubb is the best pure rusher in the NFL. He's led the league in rushing yards over expected, a, a metric that we had at, at PFF and that Next Gen Stats has had since 2018, since 2019. Like any, any time frame that you look at it, Nick Chubb has had the, the highest rushing yards over what we would expect from an average running back in his same situation. And on top of that, Nick Chubb, just by being such a good rusher, commands heavier boxes. And so Deshaun Watson is going to be able to pass against seven, eight-man boxes by having Nick Chubb in his backfield, while most quarterbacks get six or seven-man boxes most of the time. So I think at the beginning of the season, Nick Chubb is going to help Deshaun Watson a lot and get him used to, to playing a uh, full season in, in Cleveland. And then I, I can see a pretty symbiotic relationship from there on out. Yeah, early on, I'm curious how it's going to go. you got three division games in the first four, uh, but is the division going to respect Deshaun Watson's arm because they've seen it in the past, or are they going to respect Nick Chubb's run game? Because especially in the AFC North, I mean, they've got a, whether it's Tomlin, whether it's Harbaugh, whether it's Taylor, they've gotten a, a nice Nick Chubb helping and serving for the previous five years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great point. I, I do think that they'll be more Nick Chubb focused at the beginning of the season, just because like you mentioned, like they might not have the respect for Deshaun Watson on, and like his, his ceiling because the recency bias of his last couple of games last year, I think might cloud people, but that, that game week one, I think will be really telling. They're going up against one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL and, and someone who's put together some really good game plans, but the Browns have, have done really well against the Bengals. Uh, with with the different all different types of quarterbacks, so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out, and that'll be a pretty big measuring stick game, I think, for the Browns. Dave Seth joining us here. You're obviously a big analytics guy, and so I'm dying to find out what you think about the recent trend with running backs. Uh, we have a Nick Chubb. I think it's the advantage the Browns have over other teams in the NFL, but I'm also kind of cautious as to what that all means. For sure, and you know, my overall thoughts on what's happening with running backs right now is. Running backs don't matter was always kind of a misnomer that was thrown around out there. They, they clearly do matter, right? Like Nick Chubb is going to have a, a bigger effect than Leonard Fournette at this stage, for example, um, on, on his team. And then we talked about the second order effects, getting heavier box counts, linebackers um, bite more on play action with better running backs in the backfield, all that stuff. The problem is running back performance doesn't correlate with winning as highly as quarterback performance, wide receiver performance, offensive tackle performance. And you can just go down the, the list of positions and see that they all correlate better with the winning percentage and making deep playoff runs and, and running back. So when you have a salary capped league like we have, 
there is going to be a couple positions that don't necessarily get like their fair share of um, of, of money, and that that does happen to be running backs right now. So I, I think like from the Browns' perspective, they were able to work out a deal with Nick Chubb where they didn't have to give him an Ezekiel Elliott contract or a Dalvin Cook contract where they were guaranteeing money for multiple years and, and really like resetting the running back market. They, they were able to settle at a pretty good equilibrium where they're still able to get surplus value out of Nick Chubb because of how good he's been for them while not having to pay a ton of money. You know, you mentioned about like correlating to wins. Uh, how long would it take before you got, if you were naming positions and you went down the list, how long would it take until you got to the running back position? Yeah, I mean, if if you kind of went down the list, you have you really start with everything that affects the pass game because we know passing game is king. So the the quarterback, uh, the receiver, the the offensive tackles, and then on the defensive side, the edge rushers and the the corners and safeties. And then when you go into the the game, the positions that are mo- more focused on the run game, uh, linebackers, offensive guards, defensive tackles, tight ends. But that's like that's like the second order effect. And then, and then running back kind of slots in there at the end of, of those positions and then special teams after that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's way down there is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, like it, it is unfortunate that there are going to be certain positions that, um, that always kind of get, get lower value or lower money to them just because of the salary cap. Is there a chance, you know, I was throwing out the idea earlier that maybe we end up with a pitch count for running backs. The Browns have kind of low-key been doing that with Nick Chubb for a while. You know, five years, he's never had more than 18 attempts per game per, at any any given season. And, you know, you look at that and you, you, you compare that to like Derrick Henry a couple years ago. Derrick Henry was getting 27 touches a game. Nick Chubb was getting 16 a game. And the thought process there was, okay, the Titans are going to use him and they're going to just have all the wear and tear and then they're going to discard him and it won't matter anymore. But with Nick Chubb, you could tell the Browns were thinking long term. Is there a part of the NFL that could get to 15 attempts per game for a running back and treat it like how baseball pitchers, starters don't go over 130 pitches, and if they do, it's the coach's fault, and they never should go that deep because ultimately you're just putting wear and tear that leads to injuries. I think that's a fantastic point, and that's exactly what the Browns have been doing, like you mentioned, for the past couple of years where they don't want to give Nick Chubb over 70 to 80% of the team's rushing share in that game from a carry's perspective. While, like you talked about, Derek Henry gets 90 95%, and we're at the point in their careers where Nick Chubb is still arguably the best rusher in the NFL, and Derek Henry has declined. And so you can see the effects of that. And something that I've looked at before and, and a lot of other people have checked is you only have certain, uh, a certain amount of high-impact hits that you can take throughout your, your lifetime career as a rusher between – college in the NFL. In the NFL, that number is 1,500 carries. Once you hit 1,500 carries, mm-hmm. we usually see running backs start to decline. So I think that if you were planning it out, like you talked about, maybe once you hit 15 carries, that's it for you because you know you can get to 100 games on 15 carries a game. And that's a, that's a lot. That's a pretty long lifespan for a running back relative to a true workhorse that's getting 20, 25 carries a game. Uh, what do you think is more likely, Tej? Do you feel like the, the running back is going to go the way of the dodo and just all of a sudden just be a position that continues to devalue and devalue until it's just no longer any part of the game, really, or a very tiny part of the game, let's put it that way? Or do you think everyone's going to game plan to stop Patrick Mahomes, they're going to draft guys to stop Patrick Mahomes, and then there will, because of that, 
turn around and become a a chance for the running back to have the advantage and to have some sort of rebirth a couple years down the line? For sure. I, I definitely think it's something in the middle of what you said there, that the NFL or and football as a whole is very cyclical, right? We see mm-hmm. we see the rise of Tampa 2 in the early 2000s. Then we lead to single high with the Legion of Boom. Seahawks, now we're back to two high safeties uh, with, with the spread of the Vic Vangio tree across the league. And so that's, I think, what you're going to start to see with running backs or, or maybe just the running game in general where it's, all right, we're so focused on passing right now and explosive passing plays. And passing will probably always remain king because it's very easy to keep a quarterback, quarterback play stable year to year while it's harder to keep other stuff stable year to year, but I do think that we see a slight uptick in how important uh, the running game becomes, which which should make the, the running backs more important as well. Tej, I saw you tweeting out a couple days ago. Uh, you were talking about the defensive line for the Browns. It's got the potential to be the most improved unit in the NFL is what you said. Uh, mm-hmm. Ranking up against some of their peers, I mean, between Tomlinson, between Smith, between Miles, as we all know, Oboe as well, uh, not only most improved, but are we looking at what a top top five defensive line? Where 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 are the Browns in the NFL? I definitely think they can be top five, top ten. And when you have the best pass rusher in the NFL and, and Miles Garrett, it, it helps for sure. But that that was the problem last year with the defenses. You have Miles Garrett, but you can't create much outside of it. So all those signings that you just mentioned, I think immediately put them in that top ten conversation. But then you throw in Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator. We know Joe Woods was not a good defensive coordinator last year. And Jim Schwartz's specialty is the defensive line. And so that's where I think you can start to get something really special out of it is you have certain star players on that defensive line, Garrett, Tomlinson. But then you have you, – you, you, you got depth now at that position. And, like, I think the, a lot of the moves that the Browns made with the coaching from Jim Schwartz is going to make that defensive line really, really good. Dave, fantastic insight as always. Uh, we'll always check you out over there at Sumer Sports as well. Uh, appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and uh, we'll catch up with you hopefully before the season gets underway and we can, can talk about a ball. Thank you. Thank you, Tage. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, great stuff right there with Tej. I always love his insight. I always love what he can bring to the table. And I, I do, I, I'll be honest, I do like when the really smart, analytical people in the NFL world are like, yeah, Jonathan, you got, you got the right idea here. You know exactly what you're talking about. You got the right idea. Let's talk about it. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. When it comes to Nick Chubb, are the Browns handling him right? Are they doing something that we're never going to see again in the NFL? Also, what did Nathan Zagura say about this Browns team? We'll get to that. George Niang at ten forty. Your phone calls coming up. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan.